0: Welcome to another Psalm Session. You are joined by Miles, and over there on the phone... It's still Brent over here. Hey Brent, how you doing?
1: I gotta get a new intro, because I, know. I keep saying it's still Brent over Same here, but thing. the truth the truth is, it literally is, it is. still Brent, well, and the key word yeah. there is over here.
0: Yeah, I mean, we've started every show. Like, we need a whole new intro. I don't know. Uh, hey everybody, this is a Psalm Session, and we're... Um, I can see I got nothing. I, it just naturally comes out. I don't know. <laughs> no, we're still at home. We are. We're still at home. But we're kind of getting, well, no, we're not getting less at home. But uh, some things are happening. We. Uh, I was just reading a thing today about this concert in the United Kingdom uh, where they built these, like, so it was a live concert. It was the first major live concert. And they built these, like, little railing pod zones and yeah, uh pods. I, yeah and i think they were limiting it to like four people per pod or five or something like that and they had 2500 people at this concert and the the photos were amazing because i generally and i know this is where you and i differ as people i generally expect the worst of everyone and you look to the the good in everyone and so when i look at these pictures i was thoroughly amazed that like every walkway every throughway, every public space was empty. Like people were really following the rules where I would just expect everyone to be like, let's all pile into the open space and have a great time. (laughs) Well,
1: listen, I'm a, I'm an upfront fanatic, uh, as, as much as the next person, you know, I I love to be pressed against the railing right at the, at the front of the stage. But I think the reality is, and, and I hope more and more people are actually realizing if we don't follow these protocols and make these kinds of smart decisions we're going to wind up back where we started in february again
0: this is true this is true and i guess the brits have figured that out because they are they are indeed doing concerts right it was cool to see you know 2500 people back there i know here in canada we're still stuck at uh, i think it's 100 outdoors you're allowed to have
1: yeah that photo did look pretty amazing and and when you when you see those little kind of pods set up it's, it's pretty civilized and it's almost like everyone's a VIP.
0: Yeah, I would go. I would, I would actually like if every concert forever were like that, where I get my own little space and I'm not, cause like, I love going to, this is like such a contradiction. I love going to metal shows and I love heavy, fast driving rock. And I love all that like super, you know, intense, aggressive stuff, but I don't want to be in a mosh pit. Like, I'm way too old to get kicked around in a mosh pit. I just want to no, be left alone. Yeah, you, you. I see
1: you in, like, a big wing-back chair. Yeah, just man. Just relaxing and enjoying the oh, show. If right? I
0: could go to, like, Slipknot while sitting in a Lazy Boy, I would be all over that all day long. Like, and I want someone to bring me drinks and food. And, yeah, I... That, I would love that experience. I don't want to be jumping up and down. We saw, uh, I think it was two summers ago, we went to a show at the Mod Club and like great venue and the show was amazing. The sound was awesome. The artist was on. Everything was great, but it was like shoulder to shoulder with everyone and you've got a stranger like breathing into your ear. Like it's, I hate that experience at music. Like I just want to be left alone. Give me my yeah. pod. I'll take it. Yeah. All day. Yeah,
1: well, Listen, uh, I'm sure there'll be a pot or two um, waiting, ready and waiting for you.
0: Well, here's here's to hoping. <laughs> here's to hoping. <laughs> oh boy! Um, so, what, what else is going on with you? What's new? It's still like I feel like I, you don't you don't write anymore.
1: I know, I know. Well, we've had the good pleasure of uh, you know safely uh, seeing each other a handful of times. Yes. Whether it's uh, you know, been cleaning out a Sound and Music storage locker <laughs> or some other sundry. But um, I know, I, I think it's 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 back to that human contact that we're craving. I think we all kind of feel a little bit like we're uh, stuck on a deserted island.
0: Right? So, hey, okay, there's a question. Now, if you were stuck on a deserted island, what tunes would you have with you on that island? What's, what's critical in the mind of Brent? And I already uh, know the yeah. answer, but... So well, does you know, everybody anybody who's ever seen this you. show twice will be like wait I think he's going to say Van Halen no you're no, not oh, this okay. one will
1: shock you I I am not actually interesting um I've been going back and listening to a lot of old original uh cult uh, tunes oh, before yeah. they really rose to popularity um and stuff like uh the love uh, album from that uh, was like 1980 for 1985 song songs like rain and love big neon glitter yeah, i yeah, yeah. i love i've always loved the cult they've always been a favorite band of mine but some of that real early stuff where they were kind of it was dirty and raw and yes yeah that that I, I feel like the cult love would be a cool desert island album
0: uh yeah, you know what I, I could I could get behind that. It, uh, although yeah, because you know I'm thinking about all the classic rock and stuff that I love, and I feel though that if I'm like stuck on a deserted island, I don't want like angry rock music all the time because I feel like I would just be like amped up and angry. All <laughs> you want to be time. you
1: want to be uh, wasting away in Margaritaville, as Jimmy yeah, Buffett would yeah. say,
0: right? You know what, and that's why I think I would, uh, and I would have to give a, a tip of the hat to uh, my stepmother Faye on this one. Uh, Because back in the 80s, she introduced me to Simon and Garfunkel. And I have to admit, Uh. to this day, I am still a monster fan. And their 1982, uh, the concert in Central Park, I think is... Brilliant, and I would I would bring that with me all day long because you get a little bit of folk rock, you get some super easy, you know, slip sliding away type stuff, a bit of Scarborough Fair, uh, and then yeah, and in, into like the Wake Up Little Susie's. And I, it's just a fun album, I would listen to that. I'd be happy with that one on an island. I could be good, nice good and call, mellow. Faye. Good Props call, to Faye. Faye, on that one. Good job, like Faye. Uh, like Faye actually used to, uh, it's funny, you know, she was kind of one of my first introductions to classical music, but not in the sense that would be normal. Like it wasn't Beethoven and it wasn't Mozart. Uh, it was Yanni of all people. Mm. Uh, we used to listen to Yanni live at the Acropolis. Uh, and you know, that guy had this amazing tuft of lion mane hair all around him. Uh, and he, he would play piano while conducting his it wasn't even a real orchestra. I'm not even sure what it was. It was this sectional thing. Uh, but he had really cool sounds. And it was kind of one of the first time I ever heard, like, a drum kit in with a classical arrangement. And I thought, well, that's neat. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, and the rest is history. But, yeah.
1: I like yeah. it. I like Yoni. it. Well, I mean, cool, cool, unique uh, sounds are, you know, what's memorable and, and what stands out. It's kind of like, um, you know, when someone would – Take a couple of
0: spoons and oh, you know tap oh. them on their n- knee. <laughs> wow, that was a that was a rough segue. I don't I don't know how I feel <laughs> about that one.
1: Uh,
0: but yeah, we'll, but we'll go with it. We'll go with it. Um,
1: we can y- edit it out later.
0: No, no, we're not going to because it was it was it was okay. We'll keep it. Uh, but on that note, folks, why don't we jump on over to the phone because we do have a, a very special guest who, uh, for those of you in Burlington, this is absolutely no stranger. All right, well, joining us right now on the phone is a very, very special guest, and now this is also a man that when he says, I'm going to play the spoons, he means it in a very different way than how Brent does. Uh, joining us over there on the phone, keyboard player, music aficionado, if I can say that, uh, Mr. Rob Pruce. Rob, how are you? I'm good. How are you doing,
2: Miles? How are you doing, Brent? Hey, doing well. We're doing awesome. Doing well. Thanks
0: for you, joining uh, You Thank should you hear good. Brent play the spoons. It's, uh, It's pretty incredible, Hi. actually. His rhythm's not very good. So the clicking, it's not really, you know, it's it's okay, but it's he, he needs some work.
1: No, well actually, it's I've not I've,
2: a, got a, it, I've got I've got a few spoon CDs and I just I play them. That's I,
0: Oh, that's, that's so a better way to do it. That's absolutely them. That's a better the better way to,
2: do, way to it. do it. Exactly. Yeah. I've tried to play the spoons a few times and it's a weird like I can't believe it was ever actually a thing, right? To put the right? spoons together and just click them on your knee or whatever <laughs> Yeah. Like, how, somebody was really desperate to to like join in, right? They're like, "Hold on. Let me you <laughs> Spoons
0: and go. <laughs> well, the weirder thing, too, is you can buy professional music spoons. Like that has always blown me away that you can actually go to a right. music store and purchase musical spoons. Oh, well, yeah. anything to make yeah. a buck. Anything to make a buck.
2: There's a sucker born every minute. I mean, a musician born every minute.
0: <laughs> <laughs> this is so true. Now, Rob, you are a Burlington boy. The uh, the spoons yep. are are long time friends of the Sound of Music Festival. Um, yep. I was actually trying to figure out how many times you guys have played the festival, and it, it's like it's a, it's quite a few. Like you you really are a mainstay, in so much so that when we don't have you on the lineup, I actually get messages that are like, "Why aren't the spoons playing this year?" Like I'm I'm going yeah, well, we're gonna do it right now. We're uh, gonna give you the title. I'm dubbing you. The uh, the the house band of the Sound of Music Festival.
2: <laughs> well, we're like the token Burlington band, really, because I mean, I guess I guess we were always very proud to come from Burlington in in the beginning when we were you know going across the country and stuff, and people would call us a Toronto band, and we we're like, get out of here, we are not a Toronto <laughs> band, we are we are so like that's like I don't know that's like. Not quite insulting, because I love Toronto, yeah. but we were very proud to be able to say we came from Burlington, because it sort of set us apart from being the part of a scene that was was existing in Toronto.
0: Yeah. You know? And now you joined the Spoons when you were 15. Is that right?
2: It is exactly right. It is exactly um, right. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I was a, a fan of the bands. Like, I mean, they were very, uh, like, they weren't really popular, but they were an a, a up-and-coming local band about a year before I joined and a friend of mine, his older brother was friends with their manager. So they were doing some gigs. They did gigs now and then in Toronto and in Hamilton and stuff. And I had heard of them because there were very few new wave bands at that time. I mean, this was the, the really, you know, this was 1979, 1980, so we're talking 40 years ago. And there was, I mean, most bands were still playing. If you were like kids playing music, you would have been playing like Journey and you would have been playing mm-hmm. Kiss and Sticks. And I mean, of course, Max Webster, whatever was like the rock. But to come in and, and say you're part of this new movement happening, there was very few. So there was the Spoons and Burlington. There was another band called the Onos who became a band called II, who had some success in Canada as well.
0: Nice. So I, I, so I, I, I like kinda, uh... I knew the Spoons.
2: Sorry, I knew them. Because they were my friend's friend, my friend's brother's band, sort of. So I was like obsessed without really knowing who they were, except just I just knew they were in Burlington and they were a New Wave band. So, I love Rob. That uh, you know that, that that
1: hometown pride and you know proud to the point of correcting folks that you know you're not from Toronto, you're from Burlington, Ontario. And um, I think I read you actually uh, were born at Joseph Brandt Hospital. It's almost like you were you know born next door to the the park that has been home to, to, uh, to, to the Sound of Music Festival for so many years. Is there a memory as a youth when you were just starting getting into music, maybe just joining the Spoons where you had uh, attended the Sound of Music Festival and something just sort of went, you know, I want to do that? Did it, did it happen for you
2: that way? Well, not so much with the Sound of Music Festival because I had already been. So, the first Sound of Music Festival was 40 years ago, right? It was 1980.
0: Yeah, you betcha. And
2: I don't, I honestly don't have uh, like real memories of that first year, except I'm sure that we all, you know, it probably was way more low key at that time. It was like, hey, it's the team Tour band. Yeah. And it's going to be like, you know, <laughs> a couple of bands coming to play. And there was nothing like an organization like, I mean, the fantastic thing that it has become. But I remember anytime there was anything happening in Burlington that had to do with music, I was like, super excited because I just thought this is amazing that you know that no matter what kind of music it is that there's something happening in the community that's musical and I think it's fantastic but I, I'm pretty sure that it was in the summer of 82 that we had released our our second album arias and symphonies and we had released this song Novaheart and and I feel like my, my memory is probably dim, but I think it was connected to the Sound of Music Festival that down at Spencer Smith, we did like a like a meet and greet, like autograph session nice. kind of thing. And and that was one of our first times doing things like that because that was the, our first summer where we started having songs on the radio and stuff. And so any chance to do something at Burlington was always exciting for us. But the Sound of Music, I would go down to it and you know just, just be there and, and whatever was happening, it was just like, you know, it's a social gathering with all your friends, so... Absolutely.
0: Those gatherings, remember those? Yeah. Oh, yeah. We were just talking about those. And the other thing I was just talking about, and Brent said I'm not allowed to say this, but I'm going to Rob because I feel like we're friends at this point, and you're part of the Somme family. Yeah. Is I watched an amazing yeah. interview uh, in in prep for our podcast here. I watched an amazing interview with you from 1979, and I have to say, your hair is incredible. A that was. Unreal, and B, uh, you you're uh, you're a pretty guy.
2: (laughs) You know, in the '80s, that was the thing to
0: do. It's crazy, right? Yeah. Well, no, and and my point is, like, I was I was looking back at some old footage of the Spoons, and uh, it it was like it it was new wave, and it was kind of new for Canada, and it was different, and it was exciting, and you guys put on a show and that i've talked about this on on our show before how i always love when yeah. bands do more than just play music they give you a show yeah. and i think yeah. that's carried through into a lot uh you know looking at, at your career you know y- you've got your rock you've got new wave you've got broadway on the stage behind the scenes like you have really led this diverse career and i i have to ask like what drives you creatively at this point and how do you keep finding these new genres and new kind of footholds on the musical world to to take interest in
2: i think it's it's probably been like like the thing that i feel most fortunate about is that my whole life long probably since i was a little kid i've just loved all kinds of music and i think because i grew up in a household where I heard uh, like a, a really diverse range of music. Like my mom would have the radio on in the kitchen playing CKOC, listening to all the pop songs. And then my dad, my dad was is originally from Germany, and he loves like all this crazy German music, like German pop music and yeah. like Oompah um, Pah stuff, like like serious like folk music that you know people would like the Schmeggy Brothers from SCTV would be like the the comedy version of stuff my dad took seriously, you know. <laughs> and And so I learned, but then I kind of liked it because I thought, well, this is weird. My dad likes his music. And I guess there is something sort of charming about it. So I never learned to grow up and be like really cynical about a lot of kinds of music. And I just learned to like take things. I always figure if it makes people happy, then that's cool. And then I also had uh, an upbringing with classical music because I was taking piano lessons and I was like, like learning classical pieces. And my dad studied opera when he was younger as well. So that was in my life as well. Nice. And I think that also growing up, as a child in the 70s the music on the radio was so diverse as well that I've learned to love everything. And I guess I've just tried to follow my interests as far as opportunities to make music. Like like when I got into doing theater, it seemed like to people in the, who knew me from the bands, they're like, what the heck? Like this guy who's been in these rock bands <laughs> is now going to play in the pits and he's playing Phantom of the Opera. But to me, it was just like another musical challenge. It was never about the style. I just thought, well, it's me. I'm going to just try these things because it's interesting, you know? I love it love it. Um, we've we've seen
1: uh, in in Canada some just incredible uh talent emerge over over the years and you know you're you're talking about how the music that you listened to in your home as as a child was so uh different and diverse who who were your early inspirations and who sort of emerged for you as you know something that you aspired to be or a certain type of music that that really
2: sort of uh Pardon the pun. Struck a, a note with you? <laughs> um, well, I I think my first influence in the world of pop music was definitely the Partridge Family. Oh, wow. So that's my generation. Mm. Yeah, because because I mean it was on TV when I was a little kid. So when I was really young, and it was it was like a show that you'd watch every Friday night. So seeing this family on TV making music, it was it coincided with my anniversary of like when I started to play the piano was, was like the Partridge family was maybe getting into their second season sort of. Wow. So, so I think that I was starting to make these connections between, Oh, you mean you're like, cause there's kids in the family playing the music and you know, the teenage son is like a, like a pop idol. And I thought, well, that's really cool. So I had those were like when I was five years old, I had Partridge family records and I would like listen to these records and something connected in my brain in terms of, I hear these keyboards on this record, like there's a, of course, in those days there was harpsichord and there was piano and stuff and like, just kind of like beach boys arrangements. So I think that was the first spark in my head was, was, was the Partridge family and just listening to the radio nonstop. Like my memories of, of growing up in Burlington are always connected to listening to CKOC and getting their top 40 charts. And I would listen to those countdowns every Wednesday night or whatever it was, and, you know, listen for the top 40 and, and I think that as I grew up, then Elton John became the, the piano guy for me because I thought, hey, I'm playing piano, he's playing piano. If I listen to what he's doing, I can sort of you know, make that connection and, for myself. So it was a real gradual process because then the next step for me was I'm listening to Elton John and then i realized i'm learning how to read music even though i'm reading classical music with my piano teacher but there's this this music that i can read that's the songs of elton john so then my dream was to like get elton john's greatest hits like the sheet music book so then i would sit at the piano and play elton john songs and play along with the records and kind of think this is so cool like i feel like i'm a part of the band now you know and then the next step was that my my best friend who lived across the street when when i was 10 and he was 11 and he said, "Oh yeah, he was playing guitar a little bit." And he said, oh, yeah. "You know, we're we're getting a little band together, and maybe you want to come and play." So I thought, "Wait a minute!" So now I can take my my step by step process of playing along with the record and then learning these songs. Now I can actually go and play with my friends. So I was in my first band when I was ten. Wow! And so so joining the Spoons at 15, I was like like an established veteran of the <laughs> my neighborhood music scene. <laughs>
0: You That's know. amazing. At 10 years old, I was still trying to learn Smoke on the Water on guitar, and ah, yeah. it uh, sure. I think that might have been the first song that I learned on guitar, and uh, piano has nice. always been interesting for me, and I, I want to nerd out with you a little bit about some of this Broadway stuff, because my, my background is... Uh, is musical theater and jazz. And I, I oh, cool. have a degree in jazz trombone and jazz vocal. Mm. But uh, nice. for me, piano was always an interesting one because in university, you know, they would sit you down uh, and with jazz, like they'd give you a chord sheet and say, okay, let's have some fun. Let's make this, you know, let, let's let make this a bit your own. And on trombone, you'd, you'd yeah. go crazy. and But then you'd sit down at yep. the piano and they'd say, okay, this is Beethoven. It is played exactly like this. You do not deviate from that yep. or you're going to lose marks. And that yeah. kind of, you know, doing it prescribed like that really kind of sucked the fun out of it for me. And, and I felt I wasn't sure. able to bring myself in, in any way anymore. And, you know, and then I found musical theater. And so I, I need to talk to you about these because, so you spent 15 yeah. years working on Mamma Mia in Toronto, yes? Yep.
2: What, Toronto and in New York. And
0: in, to. yes, yes. What, what was that like? Because you were kind of one of the pioneers of this, uh, of the Mamma Mia show. Is that, is that true?
2: Yes, we started the show. I mean, when we started in Toronto, we were the second production in the world. Yeah. So it had been running at that time. This is now 20 years ago. It's crazy. <laughs> uh, it was So I say it's the turn of the century because it was 2000. <laughs> and Mamma Mia had opened in London in April of 1999. So... um they wanted to expand the show because they thought well i don't know if it's they weren't sure at the time if it was just like a local phenomenon because abba were so huge in in yeah. the uk but of course they were superstars around the world but they were still a little little hesitant about about trying to just jump too quickly with the musical, so they picked Toronto. I think because we've, you know, we as Canadians have always been a good middle ground between the Brits and the Americans, and Toronto had a pretty good theater scene. Has, I mean, has always had a pretty good theater scene, and at that time we had been coming off of Phantom was was still running at the time I believe, and I had played Miss Saigon in Toronto in Beauty and debuting The Beast, and there was like a real routine, like a real cycle of shows that had been playing in Toronto. So they decided to come to Toronto. And we became the second production and we got to sort of make what they would consider the international version nice. because I think that they let all the colloquialisms of the UK script um, sort of get transformed by our cast. So the people that we had cast in Toronto got to sort of say things how somebody in North America would say it. And I was, I, as, as one of the music team I was so excited to do it because I loved this music since I was a kid. Like mm-hmm. Mamma Mia was one of the songs that I played in my band when I was 10.
0: Nice.
2: So it was <laughs> like this weird kind of full circle in my life. So, yeah, we definitely um, helped to make the show something that could then be sort of transported around the world. And I think it gave them a lot of confidence in us, like as the Canadian cast and creative team to do it.
0: That's amazing, and I, I I am pretty sure I must have, uh, I saw the show, and it must have been when you yeah. were working on it. it. You know, I always refer to the time as like it was the big three. There was uh, Mamma Mia, The Lion King, and Aida all playing at That's the right. same time, and I saw all yeah. three, and uh, yeah, I mean, they were all amazing, and I do. I love the Mamma Mia show, and uh, yeah. now the other one, uh, Once, the musical, and, and you guys yeah. picked up a Grammy for this one. Tell us about I that. Know. That's I, amazing.
2: You know what? I know my... My friend Martin, who I was—I was the assistant music supervisor on the show. So Martin's got a nice little Grammy on his shelf in his apartment in New York. That's amazing. And I realized that you can get there's a thing if you're involved in a Grammy-winning project, you can get like a certificate that you can frame that nice. says you have you're part of a Grammy winner. And I think oh, I should get one of those things because that would be really cool to have. Um, yeah. Just to have the certificate. Absolutely. You know? But yeah, I got it, I got involved with that show because my friend Martin, who was the original music director for Mamma Mia in London he asked me to assist him on the show. So we were like the team that, that put this musical together. And that was like a fantastic experience too. Did you see the show when it was in Toronto?
0: No, no, it was one of those Ah. ones that I wanted to do. And I don't remember why there's some scheduling things and my wife Mm. and blah, blah, blah. And we just didn't get it. But, uh, Mm. if you want to bring it back, like do a revival, I'll, I'll come. (laughs) I
2: hope they do. Yeah, somebody really should because it's. I mean, it's a hard show to do because all the actors have to play all the music as well. So yeah. it's tricky to cast the show because we had to find guys who could play guitars. Wow. And we needed cast members playing violins and cellos and stuff. So it was always a real challenge to piece it together. But once you got a cast, yeah. it's like putting a band together. Yeah. And it. I mean, and they. It was one of the best things about that show was that they really lived in the music because they were performing the music and acting the the story as well. So for me. As music supervisor, it was a little bit boring sometimes because I would come and watch the show and just sit in the back and really not have much to do other than, like, take little notes yeah. and little things to watch out for or whatever. But I wasn't really in the music, which I really missed, but the show was beautiful.
0: Yeah, and that's what I've heard, and I, I do. I regret that we didn't see it, but, uh, yeah, you you bring it back, and I'll be there front row. No problem. Good. Excellent. <laughs> okay. I have one more and then I'm going to stop hogging you and, and let Brent talk. Cause I can nerd out about musical theater <laughs> go, all day, go, every go. day, forever.
2: Well, but... you know, I'm impressed with your, with your trombone story though, because I'm a big fan of the trombone oh. and I'm always impressed with how, how you can keep the pitch on yeah. the slide. Yeah. I mean, it's uh... me like, I mean, you know, that's, that's a, that's a good skill to have.
0: Well, and it's funny, you know, when I started uh, in music, I, I started out uh, on keyboard and then moved into guitar and then moved into percussion and then, Uh, I wanted to do some more jazzy stuff and I tried the trumpet and was like, nah, I I really don't like this. And I didn't, I had no interest for some reason. And I like, this is just one of those irrational things. I didn't want to play a reed instrument. I don't know why I had nothing against them. I just didn't want to do it. So uh, a friend of mine, yeah, right. I don't want to do that. (laughs) So uh, a friend of mine, uh, was playing some, some jazz stuff and and I was listening to these trombone solos and I was like, well, that's really cool. And when I started to play, uh, yeah, I remember that was the hardest thing is like, well, why is third position right there when you could just like a millimeter here or a millimeter there and suddenly it's you're yeah. out and it's no good anymore. And and then I had a trigger right. trombone, which made everything even harder. And it, yeah, but wow. I, I haven't played a trombone in probably 25 years. Uh, I, I miss it. You, but. you own a trombone? No, no. I, I have like oh. a million instruments in my basement. I have everything except a trombone wow. these days. But oh, look, wow. here's here's what I want to ask you about. Now, okay. you, by some weird, I saw this photo and was like, how did this come to be? You coached, and I'm probably going to say his name wrong. Is it Rami Malik? Rami Malik. Rami. Yeah, Rami. Mal. Rami Malik. Rami Malek on playing keyboard like Freddie Mercury for Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah. How, how did this come to be? And what was that like?
2: Well, it was it was um, I got an email from a music supervisor in London who I, I was recommended to this person who was involved with the film, and they said you were recommended to us because we need a piano coach for Rami as he's preparing to film this to make this film, and I was like, yeah, sure, okay, <laughs> and we we ended up just we spent a couple of days together in a rehearsal studio because he was filming his TV show called Mr. Robot. Yes which I think is on Amazon Prime. So he he was in New York at, at the time filming, like finishing up the season. And he was oh. about to go to London to start making Bohemian Rhapsody. And what the, the the people on the film wanted him to just start getting up to speed on all the things he was going to have to do. So he had somebody helping him sort of figuring out how to move like Freddie on stage. And I became like his first piano teacher. So, what, so he had like zero knowledge about the piano. Wow. He just knew that Freddie played and he was going to have to basically get up to speed quick as quickly as he could to look like he could play the piano and they want they wanted him to be able to play a little bit as well so like really pre- preliminary kind of technical kind of things i was able to show him but really in the end, what it became mostly about was learning how to really look like you could play. Because there's not enough time. Freddie was a fantastic piano player, yeah. so there's no way that that you, as an actor, you can quickly embody a person if you if you do enough studying and enough you know preparation for yourself as an actor to play a person. But a musical skill is not the same kind of thing at all. So I, basically, he like a couple of days in the studio. He would I would play. Bohemian Rhapsody, and I played We Are the Champions and things, and he would stand over top of me and and like videotape my hands to get a (laughs) sense of what he was going to have to do. And then he was off to London, so I only really saw him a couple of times. And then I think on the set he had had other coaches, piano coaches, who, who were like watching him to make sure that at certain angles at the camera that he looked right. But it turned into a cool thing because you know he won an Academy Award. But for me, what was most exciting was getting able was being able to talk to him about Freddie Mercury because Freddie was another huge influence on me as a musician, as a kid. Like, so I mentioned Elton John when I was 10, the other person was Freddie Mercury because I was a huge Queen fan. And as much as I loved the rock and roll element in their sound, I also loved it when Freddie would, would geek out and do his musical theater kind of songs. You know, every record had such a wide variety of music, but his piano style definitely was an influence on me as well. So I got to, to spend time with Rami and and say to tell him, like how much Freddie means to people as a musician, not just as a flamboyant performer, but really technically as a, as a creator, he was like a super cool guy. And it was fun because I got to like share links of videos to watch. I kept saying like, okay, you got to watch this thing and check him out here and watch these different things, you know? So I feel like I was more than just a piano coach. I was like one of his first sort of like champions of inspiration to kind of embody what Freddie means to so many people.
0: That's so cool. And, and what did you think of the movie? How'd you think you did? That sounds pretty good yeah. i mean
2: i mean there's 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 things factual inaccuracies yeah. which i think filmmakers always take a little they take liberties sometimes but what are you gonna do like who cares yeah, you know? yeah. like i'm not gonna i don't i've seen i had seen when it first came out people say oh my god john deacon was playing the wrong bass at this year he was using this other one and it was the wrong kick drum and there were certain songs that were in weird positions in the story but it doesn't really matter for people who don't <laughs> know at all it's a fantastic introduction to Freddie and, and the band, I think. So yeah. it kind of, it will live on. And if people want to know more then they can learn more about him.
1: Nice. I think Rob, with, with all the diverse experiences that you, you've had, you know, you've, you've got a pretty interesting story in your, in your own right. And and having been exposed to an opportunity like, uh, you know, coaching an, uh, an actor and helping to tell that story. My, my question is kind of two part. Um, one is who would you like to play the part of you in the story of your life and where are you at today and
2: and what are are you doing musically now? Okay, that's two good questions. (laughs) But I don't know who's going to play me because he hasn't been born yet. (laughs) Uh, There's, I I have no idea because that's just a funny thing. I can't even imagine that, you know, although like I watched that Elton John movie was really good too, Rocket Man. Yeah, Uh, It's pretty cool to like see yourself transformed and I think it's neat that Elton was able to to be alive to see this thing. And I think having seen interviews with him, it's very meaningful to him in some ways to have had this thing made while he can see it. It's almost like when people talk about, you know, if you could write a eulogy for your own funeral or if you could like oversee people talking about you, what would it be like, you know? And I think that's kind of an interesting thing to think about. Which so if if you ask who would play me, I have no idea because I don't know how my life story would play out in any way that would be Able to be interesting for anybody else
0: to see, you know what I mean. I, uh, uh, Rob, I'd, I'd audition for that role because I'm there actually pretty amazed with everything that you've done. So I'm I'm going to throw in an audition for that. Yeah, Miles all plays yeah, Rob. Okay. All I love it. I love it. So it'll what's be,
2: what's, what's happening? Trombone, though. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's one of those liberties the filmmakers will do. Rob didn't <laughs> right. play the keyboard; he actually played trombone. Yeah, done <laughs>
1: exactly. So what's happening uh, musically right now? As we we've all been you know, quarantined and locked down. It's it's a good, you know, chance to re- reflect and sort of examine where the next part of
2: your your career is is going. What's what's keeping you busy? It's interesting, yeah. That the the times that we're living in now are so strange in that way. Um, I ha- so I had been doing Mamma Mia up until like five years ago. So it it closed five years ago. So for me, a five year span since the show closed still is like only not as long as I did the run of the show, right? Cause it was such a huge part of my life. Mm-hmm. So I've, I've spent these years sort of reconnecting with some, some recording projects and things that I've always kind of wanted to do. And my wife and I have started doing some sort of uh, schooling, like school teaching with kids. Like we go into some schools in our neighborhood in Queens, New York, and I've always wanted to like sort of inspire a new generation in a way. So when our son started kindergarten, in the public school down the street I basically like found my way to the arts the head of the arts department or whatever it was and I said you know we work on Broadway that's my mama mia was still running and I said we it would be really cool if we could like come in and do some kind of things with these kids and we ended up doing like for one little period of the year for the grade five kids we would come in and, and we would do songs from a sh- like a broadway show and it became this thing where the kids would learn the songs we'd teach them some songs my wife is a dancer as well so she would give us the choreography and then the kids would go and see the show and it was like like a culminating sort of thing and then for their graduation at the end of the year they would do a little performance for their parents so this is like a like a thing that has then sort of expanded because we started like then in the neighborhood kids would want to come to see us for, for like voice lessons and stuff. So it's actually been like a super inspiring thing. It's it's I always like to say it's more my wife because she's really the teacher. I'm like the the piano player who's in the room. <laughs> but but we're like a team in that way doing this stuff. So it's fun because kids come in and they're auditioning to go to performing arts high schools. Like there's these schools in New York. You know, from like in the movie Fame, and all these kids yeah. are going to these these performing arts schools. So the kids that go to schools in the region, they can audition to get into those kind of schools. So we help them prepare for that and stuff like that, which is kind of fun. And and it's a nice little way to, to like have to learn new music and and kind of explain and teach uh, uh, kids how to find this within themselves. And it's like I said, it's nice to, to sort of inspire a generation of a new generation of performers and sort of help them find what's best for them and, and realize that, you know, there's baby steps along the way and you're not going to be perfect right away, but nobody expects you to be perfect. So you want to just find the things to do because you love it. So that's been a part of my life, this, this slightly educational thing. Um, I've been doing recording projects with some bands and some singers up in Canada as well. There's a country singer in Ottawa named Drake Jensen, who I've collaborated with on, a, on several tunes. He just had like a number one song in Canada on the Indie country charts. He's got this song called Burn the Floor, which I played keys on for him. And it's been going up these charts, and we've done a couple of other songs together that he's going to be releasing over like the next six months. And then I've been also collaborating with a band. This band actually is from Ottawa as well, called Church of Trees. And they're an electronic band and i've contributed a bunch of keyboard parts for them and sort of co-written some songs cuz i've really helped out with arranging and stuff and they're getting played like all around the world on lots of like internet radio electronic music shows and stuff cuz they've got a really good sound so i'm sort of trying to find my way into collaborating with different projects as much as i can as well as my my stuff locally and really i mean really i'm like i like to do a little bit of everything i mean really that's sort of the way my, my whole life has gone anyway you
0: know <laughs> Amazing. and I, I yeah i i love that it's uh you know with all due respect to our former guests you might be one of the most interesting people we've had on this show because it, it like i said earlier that career of yours that has gone into like you just said right now i'm working on country and electronic i know and chi- and kids right. and and yeah like i just i love it i love everything that you're up to and uh, you know, again, we we uh, we're kind of we're starting to run out of time here. So, you know, we've been talking with uh, Rob Pruce of the Spoons uh, Honeymoon Suite. We forgot to even mention that. Not yeah. um, about that thing. Yeah, those those guys, those guys. Uh, and and pretty much everything in between that Rob has been working yeah. on, uh, but look, Rob, we seriously we appreciate your time, and uh, I'm I'm Thank really you. hoping that uh, we get this festival back on track so that we can have our house band known as the Spoons, uh, and get you up on stage doing doing some stuff. We'd love to see you Absolutely. again. That's for sure. Would be great. So uh, thank you for your time. We're going to send you on your way. Thank you guys. Uh, and yeah, yeah, just stay safe. Keep doing what you're doing. Inspire kids. Inspire everyone. And thanks for bringing us that Woo-hoo. music. Thank you for thanks the music. For talking the, to you, Rob. The, the songs music. you're singing. <laughs> all right, we Good will to talk be. to you later, Rob. <laughs> thanks so much. Thanks, Miles. All right, bye bye. Well, big thanks to uh, Rob for joining us there. Um, cool guy. Like I, the, I, I could have talked to him all day. Like it, it, we both like he and I, I feel like we're kindred spirits. I, like I love his background and I love everything he's done. And I will, I'm going to audition to play him in the movie of his life.
1: Well, listen, uh, a couple of things. What I love is he's been living uh, down in New York and Queens for the better part of 20 years, as he said, but the guys, it's like he's still a Burlington resident. I think that's
0: yeah, know, really cool. Yeah. He's talking
1: about Brant street and the whole thing. I, I think that's off uh, awesome. The second part is there was a moment uh, in this podcast where I thought What's happening now is Rob interviewing Miles. Like, what's exactly going on?
0: <laughs> it's because yeah, and I realized how creepy it sounds when I'm like, I want to play you. Like, it's <laughs> yeah. Well, so uh, he
1: started asking you questions about the trombone, and I was like, yeah. who, who's actually being interviewed
0: right well, now? Well, I mean, Brent, I'm a I'm an incredibly interesting person. So don't you know who you think you let's, are? Let's. That's next. Okay, everybody. Next episode, our special guest is Miles Rusak. <laughs> yeah, let's do it.
1: Well, we can have uh, we can have annette uh back as a guest yeah we can we can turn the tables and interview you and you can tell us all about your life
0: there we should I, i do enjoy talking about myself quite a bit so we should do that uh in the meantime we uh we want you to subscribe we want you to listen so um i am not the next guest that was all a joke uh so please keep listening and furthermore we're out of time But thank you for listening. We sure do appreciate it. Um, We've actually uh, some really cool news. I haven't even told um, Brent this yet. Uh, Soon, this podcast series will be available on the brand new platform, Amazon Music. Uh, They are expanding into the podcast world. And they contacted us and said, we need to get you on there. So uh, we will soon be available on Amazon Music. Uh, We are, of course, on Google Music and iTunes and Spotify and just about all of your favorite Podcast channels, so please I, keep I love listening. that we
1: can be found anywhere and everywhere.
0: Anywhere and everywhere. Uh, that is all the time that we have uh, from myself, Miles, and over there on the phone. Is this where I say it's Brent? You, you could say something else. I love doing that. <laughs> uh, enjoy the sun. This one's been fun. Yeah, enjoy the sun. This one's been fun. Thank you for the music, the songs you're singing. Take care, everybody. Bye bye.